electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Yes, it does, Mike. Right now on Fast Money, is it game over? NVIDIA warning due to weakness in gaming and headwinds from the slowing economy. Well, the rest of the chip makers and game makers get dented by this semi-struggle. Plus, is a year-end buyback blitz coming with a 1% tax on tap for companies buying back their own stock next year? Well, big business front load their spending now. And later on, a bank battle royale with cheese. A summer crypto revival and cheap chic retail revival. Can't believe I pulled that off. I'm Brian Sullivan in for Melissa Lee tonight. Welcome, everybody. This is Fast Money. As always, live from the NASDAQ market side on your desk tonight, we've got Courtney Garcia, fellow San Diegan. Courtney, welcome. Steve Grasso, Guy Adami, and Jeff Mills. It's going to be a big show. All right, Padres versus Yankees. We start with the latest <laughs> warning from big tech. NVIDIA dropping more than 6%, cutting more than 30 billion from its market cap after slashing sales, expectations, and everything else for the current quarter. The chip giant saying that sales at its gaming division down by more than 40%. The ripple effects were felt through the future entire semi-sector. Universal Display, Marvell, AMD, and others all falling in sympathy. Some down 2%, some down more. And while the broader market tried to shake it off, while the NASDAQ and S&P both ended three-day win streaks, with well, the NASDAQ erasing a 200-point gain to end the day in the red. So, Guy Adami, let's talk more about this because this, I think, number one, it's an important company, right? NVIDIA is kind of a chip leader. As it goes, others will go. I wonder if anybody expected it to grow because given there was the lockdowns and everybody bought their kids and their teenagers' computers, wouldn't that just be a pull forward? I wonder if there's the, the canary in the chip mine, so to speak, or just kind of a unique situation. I like what you did there. Welcome, by the way. Yeoman's work by you. I won't get into the anchorman, what San Diego stands for. That's for another show, clearly. I'll say this. The good news, I think, if there's good news, is that data center, they don't seem to be concerned about data center, which is still obviously a big driver for them. Gaming, I guess it makes sense if you think about the way the world's gone. But the question you have to ask yourself, is it gaming first and potentially data center next? And at a company that still trades north of 30 times next year's numbers, you got to be concerned. Now, the stock has gone from 145-ish a couple weeks ago up to 190. I mean, it rallied 30-something percent. Now we're pulling back. Question is, is it still rich in this environment? And you know what? I got to say yes into earnings at the end of the month. I still think it's expensive here. And I don't want to make too much of it, Steve. Listen, a tough day for NVIDIA, but you just saw on the chart, it's still above where it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I don't want to call this the end of the world. Well, when I look back on a chart, I look back on the February 2020 levels. So we could argue over whether that's the proper level to look at or not. We're not going to do that right now. But My buddy Noel said don't look back in anger. So don't Yeah, do that. exactly. So we're not going to do that right now. But, but if you look at where it was at, it was at $80 back then. It's at $178 right now. So it's had a little bit of a run, but it's in a declining trend line. What do we do with chips? Went from a drought to what's going to be a glut in chips. People, not only have they pulled forward, they will over order now. So you have car companies 
ordering 4x what they've already needed. What does that mean? They're not going to have a business going forward. It's cyclical. They're in a downtrend. All the chips stay away. Yeah, but I wonder, Cordy, it's cyclical. Are they sick? Well, yeah, I think you have to look at it. I don't think it's that surprising. We've seen this with all of your other chip makers. They've come out and you're showing the demand is deteriorating right now. That is the problem, right? There was this huge glut. And now the question is, are they over-ordering? Are they going to have this huge oversupply in their inventories? And I do think that's arguably your largest concern with your chip industry right now. So, um, yes, I think they might be up for, like, maybe a bad couple quarters here. At a certain point in time, I do think you want to look at that from a longer-term investor standpoint. I just don't think we're there yet. I do have to agree. I think it's still a little overvalued for the okay, time being. Well, a little overvalued. Jeff, so, I mean, NVIDIA, again, is two things. I mean, number one, it's a massive company that is a leader in many things like gaming, data centers, and cars. Number two, as you know, it's also a trader's favorite, people that watch the charts that actually probably don't even care or know what the company does because they're entirely technical traders and it's one of the, you know, sort of the favorite volume stocks out there. How do you read NVIDIA's news and how do you read NVIDIA's charts? Yeah, so I'll go back to what Steve said. I actually mentioned this last week when we were talking about AMD's earnings, and these stocks are still in downtrend. So AMD rallied 40% into earnings. We just mentioned NVIDIA, 30-some percent. Um, but the 200-day still sloping downward. So I mentioned last week, again, when we were talking about NVIDIA, guidance is going to be really key, and any weakness is probably going to be sold. And I basically said it could be sold in a pretty significant way just because of the chart. So I think that's going to be the trend here for the foreseeable future. And also, NVIDIA, 10P turns higher than AMD, and a reasonably similar projected EPS growth out next year. Uh, so you know, I don't know that that bodes particularly well for the stock in the near term. That said, like you said, it's a really good company. Um, plenty of things to be excited about. The Omniverse product, lots of things going on. But some of these are longer tail areas that are going to take some time to play out. And what this market wants now is where is the growth today? Show me the growth today. So I think that's part of the problem. A great long-term business, but my guess yeah. is you have some cyclically kind of negative price action here. And I think you can end up buying them cheaper. It may be, Guy, it's not the Aaron Judge of semis. That's, that's probably AMD, but it, it's definitely the Anthony Rizzo. I mean, it matters to everything. Is this warning going to seep through to the rest of the group more, or maybe even the macro markets, or can, semi, can the markets do well if semis don't? Yeah, well, the short answer is, and the, to the last question, I don't think so. I think the semis are obviously a huge driver for the broader market. To answer your question, if this, if this sector starts to give it up a bit, I think it's going to be a problem. And in terms of NVIDIA, this very well may be NVIDIA specific. I don't think it is, but the problem in the market we find ourselves in now, people are selling first, asking questions later. And you, know, you look at AMD, a bit of a failed breakout to the upside up to 103, and we're still in a very significant downtrend. I'm sure the great Carter Braxton Worth will speak of that. So. This move in NVIDIA, coupled with the huge move we've seen in the S&P over the last month and a half, means to me we might have the next leg lower in the market. You know, when you look at two charts, you look at Micron and when you look at Intel, mm. those are the only bring up two Intel. names. Intel is sick, right? So pe people fundamentally have given up on Intel, and technically it looks like the charts are, are just a waste of time. Those are the only two names that dip below the February 2020 level. Micron bounced back. Intel hasn't. So I'm not saying that you want to be a buyer of Micron, but if you're going to take a stab, maybe Micron's the one you want to buy since it's already rallied above that level. 
You know, I, I, Steve, I don't know if you're looking at my screens here because I had I'm in, not going I, to say I, what's I, on your screen. It's right Intel, because I had anybody, and I can see Guy and Jeff remotely. Courtney's here. Is anybody on this desk owning or willing to buy Intel? No. no look at that. Nobody. And if you're on the radio listening, I got guys shaking his hands. He looks like I, I'm, I'm crazy. Mills is in some kind of Regis or WeWork. I don't know where he is. <laughs> But, it, but it's, yeah, you know, nobody wants to own Intel. I don't think anybody wants to own Qualcomm. Well, Qualcomm. What are the name, any, Jeff, any names worth owning here in this group? I think plenty of names are worth owning, but it's just a matter of your time horizon. I know that's super cliche, but, you know, a company like AMD, we talked about the earnings last week relative to Intel, and it became very clear that AMD is taking share. So for a company like that, if you can kind of wait in the weeds a little bit, if you can withstand some volatility, I think this is a stock that you want to own over the long term. I just have questions cyclically uh, that the business is exposed to near term. I think the economy starts to slow down. You can continue to have some re-ratings in the earnings. So I have an issue near term, but that's a stock that I, I like a lot if you're talking about sort of a, a one, two, three year time horizon. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with this. I think we are talking very short term right now, what's happening with your chips, but you do look longer term. I mean, this is a huge area of the industry and look at something like a NVIDIA. I mean, they have a 20 billion on their cash, cash on their balance sheet and less than 11 billion in debt right now, which does really put them in a good position to weather some of these downturns. So as a longer term investor, I think at a certain point you want to look at this as an opportunity. Yeah. And short term, I don't know what they're, but I, I agree as a long term, you want it as part of your portfolio. You just wonder, Courtney, is it going to be data centers to the rescue? It always sort of has been, right? Oh, don't worry, the data centers are going to save everybody. Well, it's not just data centers, right? You always have like your automakers and there's a lot of other sectors that are going in. So yes, right now like gaming is hurting, but there's a whole nother world of, yeah. uh, that these chip makers are gonna benefit from. Let's not forget, we got the Chips Act being signed tomorrow by the pre a couple, true. Hundred, couple hundred billion of your money, my man. It's true, but, it, but it, it, semiconductor business. It, it was supposed to be 10 trillion, so it's a couple hundred yeah. billion now, but it, but it is something, it should offer, offer a little bit of a tailwind. Yeah. CPI's probably gonna come in lower. That gives another tailwind, so we'll see how long it lasts. Hun a couple hundred billion is the new million, man. You know that. All right. On the back of NVIDIA's warning, where could the broader semiconductor space go next? Well, Chartmaster Carter Braxton Worth is here now to chart the semiconductor index. Carter, welcome. What are you seeing? Thanks, Brian. I thought we'd start really long term and then work to the here and now. And the first chart is an all data chart. What it is, though, is not the SOX itself. It's the SOX's relative performance to the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100. So we know the inception date was December 1st, 1993. And you see that semis on a relative basis peaked in 95 and have had an unhappy experience ever since. But you see that annotation there. They have been bottoming out relative to the Qs for the past 10 years. And ultimately, I would rather be in semis than in QQQ. And that's the point of that long-term relative chart. Let's move in a little closer. Next chart is absolute. It's just the entire 2009-2022 bull run. We know that its peak was July of 07. You had a 70% crash. And if you just extend that channel, we got so ahead of ourselves that we overshot. And this pullback, some 45%, leaves us close to the middle. We've ricocheted. And in many ways, semis are kind of a pair of twos here. They just sort of are likely to back and fill. That's that's my thinking. Now let's go a little bit closer term. Um, and we're gonna talk about the data. This is at the end of the day, and there's no way around this. It's just the ultimate beta trade. Those are the moves. It's very clear. SMH versus Qs versus Russell versus SPY from the low. The SMH is basically double the SPY. Well, guess what? On the way down, 
it was almost double too. Final chart. So here is the one-year chart of the SOX. And we know that the SOX from its peak on Jan 4 was down 41%, SPY down 25. So it's down the most and it's up the most. The question is, and that gets us to this trend line, where have we rallied to? Right to the penny, to that downward sloping trend line, in effect, since the Jan 4th high. A natural place for this 20 plus percent rally to stop. Yeah, and we're and again, if you're listening on the radio and you kind of see that trend line, it looks pretty obvious, Carter. I mean, is it that obvious? It, it's right to your well, point. Remember, bring that chart back up. It is right, right on that 20% nose retracement. <laughs> it's a hard game, as we all know. But sometimes there are levels that we can identify, uh, all of us, right? And 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 we try to shoot against those levels. This is a pretty good level to identify. There you go. Carter Worth, it is worth charting. Carter, thank you very much. Jeff, Jeff Mills, uh, you saw the charts. The first one, I'm not going to lie, I didn't fully understand. You probably did. Uh, what did you make from what Carter Worth had to say? Well, I, I, I tend to agree with Carter. I think he's articulating exactly what we were talking about. It's that these stocks have had really big rallies into downtrends, and I think that's part of the problem. And he mentioned you know, them being high beta, and I think that's exactly what you don't want in this market, especially after the rally that we've seen. Uh, you, know, you can look at the ARC complex and a lot of these other really risky parts of the market, more speculative parts of the market. I'm not putting semis in that bucket, but I think you've had a rising tide lifting all boats in growth as we've seen the 10-year fall from, you know, say, 350 to where it is today. So I think going forward, you're actually going to see a divergence between like really quality growth stocks versus stuff that's a little bit more speculative, earnings a little bit further out in the future. And I think semis may get caught up uh, in the downward trajectory of that part of the market. Wow. All right. A lot of negative. So open the show kind of a na- I think Guy Adami would call that a block nasty. All right. We've got an earnings alert on Take Two Interactive shares. The gaming company, speaking of well off their lows, they posted a revenue miss, a loss of 76 cents per share. But the stock's down, but not a whole lot. Steve Kovac, more on the numbers and the reaction. Steve. Yeah, Brian, the stock was down actually way worse, uh, nearly 10%. But uh, here's what's going on now uh, during the earnings call. Uh, first of all, there's that loss of 76 a share, sending shares down, although we're not comparing that. Uh, revenue revenue was also a tad light at a billion dollars. Uh, they're looking for 1.01. And guidance, this is what's really hurting them, Brian, um, especially on EPS. They're guiding for this quarter $1.50 to $1.55, while the street was looking for $1.59 on EPS for this current quarter. Guidance also light for the full year. And now the culprit, of course, Brian, foreign exchange. But more than that, the delay of two big games, uh, including one featuring some Marvel Comics characters that is supposed to be a big uh, one for them this year. Now, on the bright side, net bookings for the recurrent customer spending is up 44 percent. It was down 25 percent in the year ago quarter. Now, this is a really important one. This shows how many people are spending money in the games that they already own. And it comes amid signs that gaming spending is declining this year. Uh, Likely what's helping them out here is that Zynga acquisition. Um, they're talking a little bit about that in the call right now, Brian. Still, gaming is in a really rough spot. Tough comps from the middle of the pandemic. We've seen this from companies like Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft so far this earnings season. Yeah. And we're going to get two more names coming up uh, tomorrow with Roblox and Unity. Brian, I'll send it back to you. Steve, th- amazing what happens when the kids go back to school. Yeah, sure. Or they, get they out of the pandemic. Back in school now. It's, it's, you know, things, things have changed. Anybody, you own and take two? What do you think of take two? I, I, I don't own it, but even though they were involved in their own MA uh, section of the market, I would have thought that you would have had Apple or a Google or an Amazon be a little more. 
uh, acquisitive in the entire marketplace. If you look at ATVI, that chart is a lot better than all the charts in the space. If I had yeah. to, that's where I would be. Well, a lot of this is game-related, too. I mean, I'm not much of a gamer, Courtney, but it's you, you, the game's hot. Everybody plays it. Then they move on. This Take-Two, I think, was 213 bucks and change in February. This is the perfect stay-at-home pandemic play. I mean, in a way, right? I mean, this is a, everybody stayed home, bought computers, bought games, bought Pelotons, and yeah. that's over. Yeah, and you're seeing that with other games. Like, right, um, Microsoft came out their Xbox. They're also seeing um, sales go down. PCs are going down. That trend is going away. People are not necessarily buying goods. We're not playing games anymore. People are getting back out into the world. They're traveling. They're doing other things. And I think that trend is probably going to continue here. Um, what is kind of interesting about them is they are one of those players where in a recession, like back in 08, 09, they actually were able to increase mm. their revenue. So they are one of those rare companies that if you are, are in the mindset we're in an impending recession. I am not, but if you are, that could be an interesting play of, okay, people are going to go back to some of your cheaper entertainment sources like your gaming. That could have a, a, an effect there. Guy, not playing games either. Don't underestimate in your face. Don't underestimate yourself, Brian. I mean, you're a tremendous gamer. Don't kid yourself, number one. Number two, for you <laughs> oh, technicians uh, you know what? out there. You and there, me at risk, big boy, anytime. I sit in Australia, load up, you'll never come at me. <laughs> No, no, no. Actually, you're wrong about that. The key to risk, you start in Madagascar, you work your way through there. That's the key. I just gave it away in case anybody wants to play online with me later. I'm just saying. And But listen, 101, the level we traded down to, we effectively traded down to the March 2020 low. Nice double bottom. If this stock does not sell off on the back of this, then it really looks good to me. I think you can own take two here. Wow. If, if it does not sell off or does not sell off much, correct, that guy? Well, I mean, what is it down? A buck and a half, two bucks now? I mean, yeah, you know, this is percent. one of those names when, yeah, I mean, you, Steve talks about this all the time. He nailed Microsoft when they reported, you know, if this stock's green tomorrow, don't fade that move to the upside, I guess is what I'm saying. There you go. Perfect. Couldn't be more clear, Guy. Thank you very much. All right, coming up, retail stocks in rally mode, especially one, by the way, that just went completely bonkers today. Is it time to add these names to your card? And then... One financial stock making a forceful move higher. Other big banks keeping up. We're going to bring you the details on that much more when fast the money returns. Stick around. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We have got a big stock alert and a stock that is crumbling right now, and that is Novavax. Novavax shares are down 32% in just moments, down 18 bucks a share. Company coming in light, cutting its forecast for the company. Remember, this is COVID vaccine company, and they've been falling short of expectations. Novavax posting a loss of more than 650 a share last quarter. Analysts 
looking for 550. That's against a loss of just 475 a year ago. Revenue also about 110 million less than the same quarter last year. And even worse, a dramatic guidance cut. They now expect revenue of two to 2.3 billion, Gayadami, versus ex- expectations of four to five billion. There was a lot of hope riding around this company's COVID vaccines, particularly with some of these new variants. This is nothing sure. Sh- I don't think it's unfair to call this a disaster of a number, at least right now. No, this was a three. I think this stock traded up to three hundred dollars. It might have been just short. Not that that matters. But, you know, when they say no demand for the covid vaccine, I mean, for as human beings, that's a good thing. Right. I mean, you don't want there to be any demand for it. Number one. Number two, it's not a good thing for them. And when you have all your eggs in one basket, the inclination for people is to try to buy this dip. I wouldn't. I I think you got to sit on the sidelines for a while. You have to look for a huge volume day, a stock that typically trades seven million shares. I mean, it's probably going to trade north of 70 over the next couple of days. Maybe that's an entry point, but certainly not here, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. You I'm nailed it. By the way, Guy, you nailed it. It was uh, Steve Grasso, 319 right. $3.20 a share on February 8th, 2021. Same day, by the way. This, is no, this is no longer a vaccine story. So you want, if you want to be in this segment, you've got to stay away from vaccines. Farmer with the uh, pharmacy uh, stocks with the new bill. Maybe you want to stay away from there as well. But if you want to get into anything here, it's biotech, XBI, small cap biotech. It's been ignored. ETF. It's like the world forgot Jumping there's a lot of other bottom. bad stuff. Out Doesn't there. matter, but it's one trick pony. It's very binary. To Guy's point, if you're buying, if you're buying something based on a vaccine where yeah. we've gone uh, endemic, you're not really buying something that's safe for the future. Yeah, Je- Jeff Mills, jump in here, buddy. Like a, like a diabetes trade. I mean, you talk, you hate to say it. What, 40 million Americans gaining weight through the pandemic? You already had a crisis beforehand. Is Steve right? Get rid of the sort of the COVID play and think about other things because there's, I hate to say it, there's a lot of other nasty stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's right. You can think similarly about a stock like Moderna. I mean, look out at those forward revenue expectations. They're going to come way down. And I still don't know that the stock's cheap enough. I've mentioned a company like Danaher recently on the show where, again, Steve mentioned biotech. I think that's a safer play on biotech. You know, they supply a lot of these companies, some of the machines, some of the consumables. That's a company that has recurring revenues that I think can ride that trend in biotech, maybe a little bit more insulated from near-term volatility. So there are ways to play in healthcare. Some healthcare are some of the best charts in the market right now. That's a particular stock that I like right now. Jeff Mills, thank you. All right, moving on. Look at the retail. Retail on the run. The XRT retail ETF really in rally mode today, up three and a half percent. You had huge moves higher in Urban Outfitters, Gap, Macy's, and Kohl's. Jeff Mills, I'm going to come back to you. I don't even know, should I show, are we allowed to show Bed Bath & Beyond today? Should we even show that? (laughs) The stock was up 39%. I mean, that's a whole different issue. You can address that. He's shaking his head if you want, Jeff. Otherwise, look at that, 39%. You know what Guy would say about this? A lot of money. If you're short, if you're short, you have to change your sheets on this one. Guy, am I wrong to say that? Well, you can get the sheets there. I think uh, that's, that's. I, I will. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll let Brian handle that one. <laughs> no, I just did. Uh, Jeff, I'll go to you. What's your take on retail generally? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on any uh, changing of the sheets. Uh, you know, I think Bed Bath & Beyond is a whole different animal. But, you know, we talk about this a lot, right? You can make the most money when things go from bad to less bad. I was looking at Wayfair today, uh, up 14%, maybe somewhat more fundamentally driven, but the stock was 75% below its 200-day moving average. There was a little bit of an upgrade there uh, from a sell to a hold, but it was really on kind of cost-cutting efforts. So uh, you can look at a stock like Gap very similar. It was 55% below its 200 
200 days. So sure, if you're lucky and you're in one of these stocks at the right time and you get a violent move, great. But I would not be chasing these here. I think for the environment that we're in, you're going to do a lot better in, say, a Dollar General just because of their product mix. Or even on the other side of the spectrum, a mm. Lulu or a Nike. We have a couple of charts I could throw up really quickly. But they retraced exactly back to that pre-COVID high, found support there, moving higher. I think some of those really strong brands, maybe a little bit more tilted toward the high end, I would rather be in those areas. Courtney, what say you? Yeah, I have to, I have to echo this because one of our largest risks right now is inflation, right? And unfortunately, what is happening is your lower income household is getting affected more so by inflation than some of your like luxury brands are. So I think when you're looking at some of these retailers, um, yes, they're going to have a pop because they've come down so much. But I think longer term, you want to look at some of those that are maybe not as affected um, by inflation. And so your luxury brands, like even like your Nordstrom's versus your Macy's, I would actually like lean that way. You really got to go, I mean, either to Jeff's point, the dollar generals of the world or sort of above that. I saw some data, Steve Grass. I think it was Friday it came out. You forgive me if it's not accurate, but Bank of America, 38% of all bills are now being paid delinquent wow. by the consumer. Yeah, and so, so to that We're point. We're starting to see that rollover. Right, so to that point, you want to go luxury. So everyone's heard me talk about Capri holding. So that's one of the luxury ends. But then think about supply chain. Once again, not, not dissimilar to the semiconductors. We went from, we're going to go from a drought to a flood. What are you going to do with your supply chain? You're going to have a massive amount of apparel in these stores. Yeah. Who Overordered. Better? and I mean, it's like they, they don't order. Who well, benefits? Yeah, Who I benefits from that? The raw stores, the TGA Maxx of the world, or the high-end luxury goods. That's where you want to stay safe in this environment. Okay. Trade up. There you go. We've heard it enough. All right. There's a lot more fast to come. Here's what's coming up next. Big Bank Battle Royale. One financial is outperforming the rest of the pack. Should you put your cold, hard cash into this stock? Stick around to see if there's any interest in that name. But first, we're digging into the Inflation Reduction Act. What's in this jam-packed bill? And what does it actually mean for you? Those details next. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. The Senate passing the big Joe Manchin spending and climate bill in a marathon weekend on the Hill. It now goes on to the House, where it is expected to pass. So what's in it? Well, it's a lot. It's more than 700 pages long. One thing we can focus on here on Fast Money is that likely 1% stock buyback tax. Here now with details and other items that could impact your money in the financial markets is Alon Moy, CBC's senior congressional correspondent. Alon, I feel like we just did this 12 hours ago. How have you been? I think it's about 11 hours and counting, Brian, but you know, it's okay. I like to bookend my days with you. So 
Ryan, Democrats' so-called Inflation Reduction Act is now heading to the House for a vote on Friday after finally clearing the Senate over the weekend. The bill includes some substantial tax changes for America's biggest companies, including a new 15 percent minimum tax for corporations with more than a billion dollars in profit. However, business groups did win key concessions in that calculation during last-minute negotiations led by Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. Companies can still use accelerated depreciation, and there's a carve-out for businesses owned by private equity. In a statement, the industry argued that it directly employs 11 million Americans, fuels thousands of small businesses, and delivers the strongest returns for pensions. And it said, quote, we encourage Congress to continue to support private capital investment in every state. Now, this bill will also impose a new 1% excise tax and stock buyback starting next year. That measure is expected to raise $74 billion. And the Tax Policy Center projects it could incentivize companies to return more money to shareholders in the form of dividends. The 1% tax would roughly translate into a 1.5% increase in corporate dividend payouts. So, Brian, the original version of that idea did call for a 2% excise tax. So, it's possible that Wall Street actually dodged a bullet in this one. Back over to you. Very quickly, Alon, before we trade this, any chance the House tweaks it? I mean, is the stuff that's in there now going to be changed or when the House? Because the House will pass it. It's going to be, this is it. Yeah, I think there's very little chance that the House does anything to mess with the delicate negotiations around this bill. Brian, progressives have already said that uh, they are excited to pass this. The moderates have also said that they yeah. support it. So I don't think you're going to see any more fiddling with the details. No, they kind of did because in many ways it's build back better just with, with a different name and some, some tweaks and smaller. Uh, Elon Moy, thank you very much. Guy Dami, your thoughts on any market or economic impact from the buyback tax? Yeah, I also enjoy bookending my day. 5 a.m., Worldwide Exchange, and then, you, you know, I watch you on rerun before I go to bed. I mean, that's me, number one. Number two, I'm not nearly as exorcised about buybacks as other people seem to be. I mean, one of the reasons companies were buying stock back hand over fist is because there was so much money sloshing around the system created by who? The government and the Federal Reserve. So I'm not crazy about that. In terms of inflation, though, I'll say this. It might be easy getting down from 9.1% down to a seven handle, but it's going to take a long time getting down to 2%. So if you think the Fed is magically going to pivot, think again, folks. All right, General Jeff Mills, magically delicious. What do you think? Any market impact from this bill? Market really didn't, didn't seem to care that much. A couple solar stocks popped, but that was it. Yeah, I think if you listen to Goldman, and again, don't quote me on this exactly, but they basically said there was going to be a very small impact on 2023 GDP. So I think that's what the market's looking at. For me, maybe the most interesting thing is that 15% minimum tax. Uh, I read something today from Strategus. It said on overall S&P 500 earnings, maybe a reduction of 2.5%. It doesn't seem like a lot, but in a world where I think earnings expectations need to come down, anything that's going to create a headwind there, I think uh, could be noteworthy for the market here as we go into the end of the year. All right, good stuff, guys. Friday, likely today that's going to get passed and then signed by the president probably on Saturday. All right, your next guest suggests the Inflation Reduction Act will probably have a fairly negligible impact on the macro economy. Market forecaster Jim Bianco runs Bianco Research and joins us now. Let's look at something from uh, the Tax Foundation. As far as I know, they're fairly nonpartisan. They actually said it might cost about 30,000 jobs and sort of contract a little bit. A lot of the inflationary, anti-inflationary things that are in there, like Medicare pricing, Jim, don't kick in until, what, 2025, 26. This goes to the bond market, what you follow, goes to the Federal Reserve. How do you read it? 
Yeah, I read it as kind of a modest type of uh, bill as well, too. It's a long-term bill. It's a 10-year bill. As you pointed out, a lot of this stuff doesn't kick in for another couple of more years. And in a world where we want to know what the Fed's going to do in September and when inflation is going to peak, and that's what, those are 22, 23 stories, those are going to continue to dominate the markets. And maybe once we get past that in a year or two, if this bill survives the, you know, a projected change to a Republican Congress, or at least one of the chambers to a Republican Congress, then we could start focusing on it. The other thing I'll point out about the bill, 87,000 new IRS auditors. It's going to be the biggest government agency in Washington, and that could maybe have an effect, too, on markets as we move forward. Yeah, the market seemed fairly sanguine about it today. And listen, obviously, we talk a lot about the Federal Reserve, and this is a political story, but it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. It was called Build Back Better. Obviously, that didn't work, so they tweaked it and changed some things in it. Is there anything that, that you see that will actually reduce inflation any time in the next couple of years? I don't, I don't, and even some of the government scoring agencies don't. No, I don't see anything that will reduce the inflation rate. There are some things that might produce, reduce res- prescription drug prices and maybe a couple of other things here or there that'll be good for those people that rely on it. But will that bring down CPI? Will that bring down core CPI? to a point where we could actually start to price that in? No, I don't think so. Yeah, and it matters. I mean, here's the question, Jim. How do you read, how do you read inflation? I'm looking at that, like, can we bring that, that graphic back up? You mentioned used car prices. Funny because I'm basically in the market for a car, Jim. My car is dying, but I'm driving the heck out of it because I, I just, I look at used car prices still and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not paying X for that car. And it's just insane. So I'm throwing a bunch of money in my old, my old car do you see inflation now actually coming down? Because, I don't know, airfares might fall a little bit. Well, first of all, Brian, if you're not going to pay X for that car, then you're going to have to walk because that's the only way you're going to get a ride right now. Used car prices in the last 18 months have actually outperformed cryptocurrencies. It's been one of the best investments that people <laughs> really? can have the way that those price. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the used car prices have been just soaring you know, in, they outperformed crypto in 2021 when it was up. And obviously they're outperforming it this year because crypto is down a lot. But they've been very, very good. Now, as far as inflation goes, uh, no, I've been in the camp that inflation is persistent. It's going to stay persistent. Is it going to stay 9.1 percent? Well, probably not. But it might settle down into a four, five or six percent range. And what does that mean? We're going to need a five or six percent funds rate if that's where inflation is gonna settle. And why is it gonna settle at that range? Because wage inflation from what we saw in the report on Friday is at 5.2% and it's looking pretty sticky there. If we have 5% wages, you can pay 5% inflation. So it's not gonna go much below wages. We need to get wages down to 2% in order to get inflation down to 2% and wages aren't moving right now. They're staying pretty solid and Employers are paying up to get people because they've got 10.7 million open jobs in a world of 4.9 million unemployed workers. Yep. Jim Bianco, well said. Let's go. I, I, Guy, we'll go quickly to you and then Steve Grasso. Listen, inflation is everything because it affects the Fed. The Fed pushes the market around like a boss snowplow. All right, how do you see inflation right now? If it comes down to 7%, that's still really high. 
it's ridiculous is what it is. I mean, and that's probably what we're going to have, a seven handle. But listen, I'm with Jim, and I've been with him for a while in terms of his views. It, you might go from nine to seven, seven to six, but well, that's a long way away from two, and it ain't getting there anytime soon. And I think a lot of this rally has been predicated on this misguided belief that somehow this Fed is going to pivot. They're not because inflation is going to remain hot and they're going to continue to combat it. So if you're buying yeah. stocks on the fact that the Fed is going to reverse here, you should be selling them because they're not. And, you know, I think really quickly, I think it's a supply chain issue, too. We have to factor that in. So used car prices have never been the same price as new car prices. So I think that's your tell. Every other commodity has come in. I think the CPI is going to miss to the downside drastically. Okay. Let's, uh, I'm going to be driving Grasso's gremlin from his grandmother's barn here <laughs> if I don't get a car. All right. Speaking of the Inflation Reduction Act, one clean energy ETF getting bumped higher by the bill. We're going to dive into the options pits, see what direction that trade the global clean energy ETF will go. And later on, still early, but Bitcoin off to the races to begin the week. Will the crypto continue to climb? Those trades and more. Fast Money returns right after this. Wow, first it was Novavax getting crushed. Now we've got a news alert on SoFi. Shares there dropping not as much, 3.5%. News of major investors selling shares. Kate Rooney's back with that. Who's selling and why, Kate? Hey, Brian, that seller is SoftBank. We just got news that SoftBank plans to sell some or all of its SoFi shares. This was in a 13D filing with the SEC. Just checked it out on uh, facts that Brian SoftBank right now has about a 10% stake in SoFi, hitting shares here a bit after hours down more than 3%. SoFi had reported earnings last week. The shares have been rallying in the past week or so, but it comes after SoftBank reported that $23 billion quarterly loss this morning also exited its Uber position in the prior quarter. So the latest stake uh, and tech stake that SoftBank is trimming, uh, SoFi, looks like it's getting out of that uh, trade, selling at least some of its shares. Well, raising, I mean, raising money. SoftBank announcing they lost $21 billion last quarter. Courtney, I joked this morning, I could lose I'll only lose $19 billion right. for you, Grasso, if you want to pay me that kind of money. Uh, listen, this sounds like you're a San Diego fan, so now our beloved Chargers, unfortunately, play in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. But this doesn't sound like a SoFi issue. This is just SoftBank raising money. Well, and I, I think assume. that's what we have to look at, right? We're selling I mean, everything to raise other cash. positions as well, right? So I, I, I would not necessarily look at this as specifically a SoFi issue. Yeah, they're not cutting. SoFi is not cutting guidance or warning. This is SoftBank. So, and they own a lot of everything. So how do you read this? Which could affect the stock in the near term, right? So I think that as an investor, that's what you have to look at. But at the same time, if this is going to just be a near term issue where they're selling it as a long term investor, yes, it could be a dip to buy. It's not something I'm chasing right now. But yes, I agree. I don't think this is necessarily a SoFi issue. All right. Good stuff, Courtney. Thank you. All right. Moving on. The iShares Clean Energy ETF rising for a third straight day as the Inflation Reduction Act. Everything's got such nice names. Advances on Capitol Hill. That bill includes $370 billion in climate and energy provisions. And options traders are betting that this ETF could climb even higher. Mike Coe joining us with the options action. Yeah, so uh, ICLN saw nine and a half times its average daily call volume today. A lot of institutional activity as well. The most active contract was the September 24 calls. We saw nearly 22,000 of those purchased for an average price of about 72 cents. The buyers obviously betting that ICLN could rally by September expiration by at least 10% or more. That's in just over five weeks. There we go. Mike Coe, thank you very much. 
And as always, for more options, actually, you can turn in the full show. You, we need to remind them, but we will every Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, ICLN. All right, coming up, as good as Goldman, the stock outperforming its bank buddies over the past month. Can that mojo keep rising? And then is the so-called crypto winter giving way to a bit of a steamy summer surge? We're going to debate the next move for Bitcoin and beyond. We're back in two minutes. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. That chart should say it all. The big bank battle royale is on, and Goldman Sachs is coming out on top, as they tend to do, outperforming a bank of other financials over the last month, especially J.P. Morgan Chase. All right, Guy, you had flagged this one. What is your take? Is it just Goldman being great and J.P. Morgan being spectacularly average or something else? The dovetail how you went out into commercial, I'm not suggesting by any stretch that the music is over here, Brian. But what I will say mm. is Goldman will continue to break on through to the other side. And we talked <laughs> about it before earnings. We said this environment, Goldman Sachs trading will absolutely crush. And that's what's going on. And in a world where J.P. Morgan is now taking loan loss provisions, Goldman Sachs is just killing it on the trading side. So I think this outperformance can continue I think Goldman should be a $360 stock while J.P. Morgan sort of mired in the 114 area. So I think this continues because the environment we're in favors Goldman Sachs over J.P. Morgan. Jeff, you got a you got a big bank feel and or a Doors song pun for us? <laughs> I can't hold a candle to Guy in terms of door song puns. But listen, I, I've said before, I'm not super high on the banks in general right now, but Guy hit the nail on the head. I mean, investment services being 90% of Goldman's revenues versus J.P. Morgan, more traditional banking at 44% of their revenue. So I think that tells the tale. The one thing I would say relative to Goldman is that it's staring that 345 in the face. It should be resistant. So I, I'd pay attention to that. And you've also seen the valuation differential, which was benefiting Goldman, completely evaporate. So valuation, not a good timing tool. I tend to agree with Guy, but thinking longer term, J.P. Morgan is cheap versus itself. It's cheap versus Goldman, where Goldman is basically average versus itself and now expensive versus J.P. Morgan. So that's maybe a little bit of a longer term perspective. Yeah, and I think what I have to add, too, about Goldman is clearly trading is their bread and butter, but they're also getting a lot more into, like, the wealth management space. And they're getting a more diversified recurring revenue source, which I think actually could lead to some better things for the long term. Um, I do also like J.P. Morgan. I, I think I'm probably the one of us here who actually does like the banks here. I think if we are going to be in this period where we're able to have a soft landing, I think your banks actually could start to look attractive. But you like it as a bank bank, not as an investment. Could we use the word bank, but these are more investment banks than, like, you know, village savings and loan. True. I mean, well, maybe with your Goldman Sachs, more so than like your J.P. Morgan, I think is going to be more like your traditional route. And they are actually setting a lot more on the side of our loan reserves that if we do get through this period, they don't need as much of that. And that comes back onto their balance sheets. I actually think that could start to look more attractive for them. All right, Cordy, thank you. All right, up next, a bit of a crypto comeback lately, along with stocks, kind of an everything rally, really. Ether floating higher to a 60 plus percent just since late June. Bitcoin rebounding big time as well. What is driving this move exactly? Will it turn down again? We're going to find out. We'll talk about it with Fast Money Returns. All right, let's get a little sneak peek at the Kramer cam. Jim is chatting exclusively with Matthew Prince, the CEO of cybersecurity company Cloudflare. Catch that full interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. And don't forget, you can have Kramer delivered right to your inbox at the CNBC Investing Club. Sign up now at cbc.com slash join the club or just point your phone at that big QR code on your screen. Do it now because it's about ready to go away 
now. <laughs> I almost nailed that. All right, Coinbase shares surging more than 5%. <laughs> that ahead of the company's earnings report tomorrow. The street expecting a meaningful drop in revenue and profits. The major crypto coins have been under pressure. Those tides could be reversing. Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, Dogecoin, you name it, all rallying today. JP Morgan out with a note saying cryptocurrency to finally found a floor. Jeff Mills, do you buy it? I don't. I'm going to sort of repeat myself here, Sully, but I think it's part of this high risk rally that we've seen. I put it in the art category. I put it in the category of things being helped by lower interest rates. So when we see this divergence between speculation and quality on the growth side, I think Bitcoin is going to get caught up in that. This next risk off decline that we're going to see, in my opinion, I think Bitcoin gets sold hard. So I would not be buying into this rally here. Courtney? Yeah, I completely have to echo that. I think what we're seeing right now is we're getting a little bit of bounce here. It's all of your growth stocks, all your long duration assets are coming up, which were the ones that are hit the hardest. I would not be jumping into those. I think that very well we're going to see a reversal of that as things proceed yeah. here. I mean, yeah, the, the best, don't the best little market runs always come in the worst markets? I mean, bear market rallies are legendary. Every rally starts with a short covering rally. You just don't know whether and it's going to And by the way, the Goldman Sachs data, and I don't want to misquote Goldman Sachs, showed like long bought short cover was like some of the highest they've ever had the last two weeks. It, it, we, we've seen these markets enough to know how it starts. It starts that bounce off the bottom. You just don't know if it's long lasting. And I do, I, I agree with, uh, with the rest of the panel, but... I think it's going to last a couple more weeks. You're going to get that down flush again, maybe that September, October squishiness. And then I think we rip into year end for risk assets. Okay, squishy. That's a technical term. Squishiness. Ish. Yep. Ish. Squishy ish niche with a knish. Up next, your final trades. You wish. Ish. Final trade time, Mr. Mills, kick it off. So Lulu, I mentioned this one earlier, the chart caught, chart caught my eye. It bounced basically to the penny off of that pre-COVID high. Watch yep. 347, it's that downward sloping 200-day moving average. If it moves above Guy. that, I think you can buy it. Guy Dami. I'll be waiting for the sun as I watch Worldwide Exchange tomorrow. Amgen, Brian. <laughs> I'm on Squawk tomorrow, but I appreciate the shout out. Courtney. Freeport Macaron, I think EVs and clean energy might be part of this uh, beneficiary of the new bill. Copper's a way to play that. Steve. STEM, AI-based clean energy storage. STEM, buy. STEM, buy. Like it. Guys, thank you for making it easy. I do appreciate that. Thank you all for watching and listening to Fast Money. I'll see you on Squawk. I'm going to sleep right under this desk right here. Mad with Jim starts right now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.